Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to week one of Squad Goals. My name is Scott, and I'm so glad you guys are here today. And you might be sitting here going, well, what's a squad goal? I'm glad you're asking those kind of questions. Thanks for participating. A squad goal. So these are, this is a phrase that's really kind of become popular in culture and social media, really for the past few years. And when you look at the, the word itself, I mean, you got squad. That's, that's kind of short for squadron, which is really where it originated. And a squadron is a military term. It's kind of a fighting force that's been assimilated for a particular mission. And so you got a squadron, you take short of that, squad, which really refers more to a group of friends or a group of people that have come together. And maybe you're better together than any one of you are apart. You're stronger together than you were apart. And squad goals is how that squad aspires to accomplish something or become something other than what they currently are or what they're currently doing. So squad goals, okay? So now you might be asking, well, how does that apply to us? Again, thank you for asking. Um, well, here, here's, let me just kind of give you a little rundown of where we've been. Um, about 20 years ago, you're like, wow, we're going way back. About 20 years ago, um, and for the last 20 years, really, I, I, it's been amazing to watch how God has just continued to uh, show his favor, show his blessing, and just really um, do some amazing things uh, in and through the bridge. And about 16, 17 years ago, as a church, uh, we went through a paradigm shift where we really changed the way uh, we do things, the way we do church. And, and it really... Um, it's been a really cool thing to watch as God has really helped us become a church that focuses, and this was our desire, to be a church that focuses on the needs of those who feel far from God. The needs of those in our community that maybe they, uh, you know, got disconnected from church or maybe they've given up on God or maybe they've never even been introduced to God. And, and we wanted to focus on their needs. How do, we, how do we become a church that focuses on them? And so we did, that's part of what we wanted. And we wanted to be a church that truly emphasized the love and the grace of Jesus Christ and not so much the rules-based religion that a lot of times Christianity gets associated with. Like, like you have to be on this treadmill to get God's approval. And we didn't want to show that. We, we, we believe that there's grace, there's love uh, in, in the relationship with Jesus Christ. got nothing to do with the, the rules or following some, you know, rules or, or laws or whatever. And so we wanted to really show that. And we wanted just to be a place that welcomed everybody. It didn't matter to us, you know, what your past was like. It didn't matter to us where you come from, your race, your ethnicity, uh, your beliefs. I mean, the only criteria that we set is that no perfect people could be allowed. Everybody else, you know, we're open to. So it doesn't matter to us where you come from as long as you're not perfect. If you're perfect, we need to talk. Um, but we're just glad you're here. And so that's the kind of place we wanted to, to be. And it's, it really has been amazing to see how God has used us um, to just touch people's lives and to make a difference in, in the lives of people, um, the lives of families, the lives of marriages. It's been really, really, really uh, amazing. And then about five and a half years ago, uh, we followed God's leading to start something that we had never started before. We had, our staff, no one on our staff had ever even entertained what we 
uh, what we tried to do, or what we, we felt like God was saying that we needed to do, and that was to start a second campus. None of us on our staff had ever been a part of starting a campus. None of us on our staff had ever been a part of a church that had multiple campuses. Now, we did all of our research as much as we could, but we just launched off and started something that we felt like God was leading us to, as, even though it felt uncomfortable. You know, we found out a lot of times God leads us into places that we don't really feel comfortable. Uh, but He stretches us and He grows us. And so we, we, we launched the second campus of the bridge, and it meets in Regal Theater. It used to be Palladium Theater, but the Regal Theater on 99. And over the last five and a half years, just the things that God has done, the, the fact that uh, in those five and a half years, our attendance uh, with both of our campuses has doubled, over doubled. Uh, the fact that each year, um, the number of people that are baptized has quadrupled. Uh, which, which, again, if, if you're not real familiar with, with church stuff, when we talk about people being baptized, when a person is baptized, that, that's just symbolic of saying something has changed. I've invited Jesus Christ into my life. My life has changed. It's different today. And so I'm being baptized to show that, that Jesus has changed my life. And so when I talk about that, that those numbers have quadrupled, it just, it just speaks to this, you know, the impact that starting another campus has had in reaching out to people. And see, the thing to me that's bigger than any of those kind of number things, it's just the people themselves, their stories of their lives being put back together, their families, their marriages being restored. Uh, those things are absolutely incredible. Now, something that God started doing that we had no idea he was going to do uh, when we started the second campus was he began putting in place another paradigm shift that we would go through as a church. And this had to do with the way a lot of times churches would you know, buy some property, they'd build a building, which we did uh, several years ago, and try to get as many people as you could from all around the community to come to this place. And that's the great model. But what we began discovering is that you could take principles that were transferable, and you can then take those principles to a different location and apply those principles there. And it might look a little different because the setting might be a little different, but those principles are the same. And you could take a church and start a new campus with those principles and reach people there that you couldn't reach if you didn't do that. We're reaching people around Regal Theater that would never drive the 20, 25 minutes to Sugarland to be a part of this place. And so God began showing us that. And about two years ago, we really began praying about, you know, God, would you want us to do this again? And felt that God has been leading us in that direction. And so uh, we're excited about next year, and we're putting plans into place, that, that Easter next year, 2020, uh, our hope and our plan is to launch the Forster Campus of the bridge. We're excited about that. And we're, you'll be hearing so much more about that in the next uh, weeks and months to come uh, and how you can be a part of that and the opportunities that you would have to be a part of that. Uh, but we're really excited about that as God continues just to grow us and move us and do things through the bridge and make a difference through the bridge. And, you know, kind of as a, a side segment of that is that over the years, God has continued to bring pastors and church leaders to our church to find out how we're doing this and, and why we do things the way we do and, and what they can learn from our church. And I'm sitting there going, I'm from Alabama. 
you know, I, if this is rocket science, I'm out because I don't even know what that's about, okay? So we just, you know, we just feel blessed that God has allowed us to you know, do what we're doing and he, he keeps moving and we keep following. And so when I think about all the things that he's been doing, all the things that we've learned, one of the things that continues to stand out to me is this simple principle about leadership, and it's this, that influence is a stewardship. That as, as God continues to give you influence, you have to step back and say, why are you giving me this influence? What do you want me to do with it? It's not just for me. It's not just for me to enjoy or whatever. You've allowed me, you've given us you know, an incredible place to do ministry, Fort Bend County. You've given us incredible opportunities here. You've given us the best staff I've ever worked with in my life. You've given us the greatest volunteers on the planet. You know, you've given us all of these things. Why? What do you want us to do? And the more that we ask that question, the more that we follow everywhere he leads us, the more impact and the bigger difference he allows us to make. And so when I think about the Bridge Squad, and the Bridge Squad, those of, those of us who love this place, who love the people of this place, I see the Bridge Squad as a group of imperfect people brought together by a perfect God. We're just imperfect people, but God is perfect. And he knew what he was doing when he brought us all together. And the reason he brought us all together is so that we would love our community and that we would do everything we can to bridge the gaps between people and our Heavenly Father. I mean, that's really what we're talking about. All we've been trying to do this whole time is just inundate and infiltrate this community with a radical transformational love of Jesus Christ. That's really all we've been trying to do. And as we continue to do that, as we continue to love the community that God places us in, wherever those communities are, and as we continue to try to bridge the gaps that people experience between them and our Heavenly Father, I'm just telling you, God continues to expand our influence. And so as we think about that, for these next three weeks, we're going to talk about some squad goals for the Bridge Squad. And we're going to talk about some ways that we can make sure that we're set up to, not only as Easter approaches, to make the most of that opportunity, but that we're also set up to make the most of the opportunities that it gives us in the next year, especially as we think about a third campus. And so squad goals... For the next three weeks, I'm going to deal with one goal each week and then uh, talk about those goals and then we'll wrap it all up in three weeks. Okay, today as we kick off, I want to talk about the first squad goal that, that is such a pivotal part, not only of the bridge squad, but it's also a huge part of each of our lives individually as believers in Jesus Christ. And that squad goal has to do with our willingness to give generously. Our generosity. Now, if you're sitting there going, oh no, I showed up on a giving message. I showed up, it's the wrong time, and I brought a friend. They don't ever talk about this, I promise. Come back next week, you know. And listen, I, you, hey, listen, I used to feel that way as, a, as the preacher. I used to like, oh no, we need to talk about giving. Oh, I don't want to talk about giving. You know, I used to feel that kind of way. I don't really feel that way anymore. And the reason I don't feel that way anymore is because God is a generous God. And, and I just learned over the years that the, the more generous I can become and the more I can challenge you guys to be generous, that more reflection of the heart of God. I, I, don't, know if, I don't know of anyone that, that's closer to God than when we give. 
because God initiated all of those things. And so I really don't, you know, I, I used to, honestly, I, I'll tell you where I got to. God kind of convicted me about this because God looked at me and he said, Rambo, no, he said, Scott, well, he just said you. He said, you are willing to, you know, talk to them. You're willing to be strong. You're willing to go after them about their marriages, about their lifestyle, about the things they do, about their families, about the way they work and their jobs. You're willing to talk about all those kind of things. But you are a wimp when it comes to challenging them about generosity. And I said, that's not nice. And he said, I don't care. It's true. And, and, and I thought, it is true. And I didn't want to be that way. And I thought, man, God is such a generous God. I, I love talking about generosity. And so he challenges us, obviously, to be generous with our lives. And so many of you are. I, I've never met a group of people that are more generous than the people here at the bridge. So many of you give of your time, uh, of your abilities, and of your finances. It, it really is off the chart, um, your ability to give and to be generous. And so I thank you so much. And I hope that this message is an encouragement to you. Um, I hope as well that God's Spirit would just unleash a spirit of generosity within the Bridge family that would not only help us be everything that God plans for us to be, but it would just set us in motion to do the things that God has, has set out for us to do and to, you know, at some point, we will have to give these things over to the next generation. And my prayer has always been that I'm able to hand over to the next generation a place that's in better shape than it was in the last generation. And it wasn't in a bad shape in the last generation. I just want to do make it better. I want, to, I want to do everything I can to hand it over in such a way that gives them the best opportunity to do everything that God puts in front of them to do. And so someday we're going to be handing that over. And part of us being ready to hand that over is our generosity in this generation. And so I want to talk to you about that. I'm going to give you, here's the question I want you to think about when it comes to our generosity. What squad are you in? I'm going to give you three squads that deals with generosity each one of them lacks something okay and I'm going to talk about those and as we go through these I want you just to think about which squad that you find yourself in all right the first squad that we will look at today are the grippers the grippers now honestly this tends to be where the majority of the people in culture and society are and that that's basically <laughs> I got my money, I got my stuff, and I got a grip on it, and you're not going to get it out of my hands. I'm going to hang on to it. And maybe you grew up with, well, you didn't have very much, or maybe you grew up with a bunch. But either way, what you've worked for, what you've done in life, this is mine. And I might loosen my grip if I want to, but if I don't want to, I'm not. And here's the posture of the gripper. I got it in both hands, and I'm, I got my hand behind my back. And it's like, preacher, you just try to come get it. I, you ain't getting it, you know. That's the posture that we have with grippers. We want to hold on to it because we worked for it. We're the ones that did this. It's ours. And I'm going to hang on to it as best I can. Now, as we think about these things, as we think about generosity, in the book of 2 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul is writing. It's in the New Testament. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, he's going to just kind of challenge this young church. And the, the book of Corinthians was written to a very young church in the ancient city of Corinth. 
And Paul is trying to address things that were going on in the church just, just because they were growing. They're just now learning this stuff. And he's going through and he's teaching them about this, teaching about this, teaching about this. As they're growing, as they're learning. And he comes to this section in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 where he's, he begins talking about generosity and giving. And here's what he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 verse 7. He said, you do well in everything. You do well in faith and in speaking. He's like, listen, you guys are amazing. You excel in so many things. You excel in, in your faith. You excel in speaking to others about your faith. You, ex you do well in knowledge and in complete commitment. Your knowledge, you're just like sponges. You just want more and more. You're learning and you're, you know, you're, you're, your commitment to the things that you're learning it's just off the chart. You're amazing. And you do well in the love that we help start in you. Your love for people is amazing. You do well in that. And he says this. So make sure that you also do well in the grace of giving to others. You're doing so great in all of these areas. And I want to make sure that in addition to that, you do well in your giving to others. Your generosity. The heart that says, I'm willing to give. And he goes on in chapter 9, and this is where he begins, it's where he begins to address um, some of the, the different squads that we might find uh, today in our, in, in our church. And here's what he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6, he says, Here's something to remember. The one who plants only a little will, will gather only a little, and the one who plants a lot will gather a lot. He's like, listen. If you sow stingily, you're going to have a stunted crop. I mean, if you just sow a little bit, it's not going to be very good. It's the law of sowing and reaping. Now, we don't use a lot of sowing and reaping kind of words, but we have our own phrases, right? You get out of it what you put into it. You know that? Or in business, you got to spend money to make money, right? So you, those are our phrases, the same kind of law of sowing and reaping. You're going to get out of something what you put into it. If you want to reap kindness, then you need to be sowing kindness. If you want to reap love, then you need to be sowing love. If you want to reap grace, then you need to be sowing second and third and fourth chances to people. Because you're going to need that grace in return. This is the law of, of sowing and reaping. And he says it's true also financially. That if you want to reap blessings, then you need to be willing to sow into that. Because the blessings of God in many ways will be directly impacted by your level of giving. How much you're willing to give. Now, here's, here's what... Uh, the grippers tend to lack. Grippers, by and large, lack perspective. Lack perspective. What I mean by that is that grippers tend to look at their stuff as their stuff. It's like, this is mine. What I have is mine. All I can see is mine. And I can't see it any other way. And so anybody that tries to take what is mine, I'm going to push back. I'm not going to be happy about that. And, and, and here's the reality, just to kind of help with, with viewing some of this. I'm going to show you a little graph. And, and, and think about this. When you came into this world, how much did you come in this world with? And I'm not talking about what you were born into, an inheritance, and, you know, your family. And I'm talking about 
when they smacked your bottom and you started crying for the first time, what did you bring with you? Nada, right? Zero. Now, you live your life then, and you're, you know, chasing after, accumulating, and you're saying, this is mine, I'm going to keep this, and I'm building up this treasure over here, and I've got this over here, but make countless good retirement, all this kind of stuff, and you're building and building and building, and then when you die, how much of that do you take with you? Yeah, no, no, there's no, there's no U-Haul behind the hearse that's got your casket in there, okay? Now, you're not taking it with you. It all stays here. You know that whole mantra that gets thrown around every once in a while? He who dies with the most toys wins. That is totally false. It's totally wrong. The true statement is he who dies with the most toys still dies and somebody else gets their toys, okay? You're not taking it with you. You came into this world with nothing and you're going to leave it with nothing. But then Jesus comes along, and then other people in the New Testament especially come along and they say, you won't take any of that stuff with you, but you can make an investment into the life to come. You can use that stuff that you have today to make an investment in your eternal life, to set up rewards in your eternal life. And Jesus talks about it a lot. In fact, here's what, here's what Jesus said in the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 to 21. He says, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Now, the first part of it you know is true, right? Store up your treasures. You buy stuff. You get stuff. You store up your treasures and all the things you accumulate here. And I'm telling you, you get that brand new car, and the new car smell goes in 30 days. And now it just smells like you or whatever you've been putting in there, right? And then it begins to rust. And the day after your warranty goes out, it's going to break down. It happens all the time. I don't know how they figure that out. And so, so you know all that stuff is true. It always rusts and things corrupt, you know, all this kind of stuff. Possibly get stolen here or there. We kind of know that stuff's true. But when he says, lay up for yourself treasures in heaven, what is that all about? You ever thought about it? That somehow the way we spend our stuff here, the way we spend our money and use our resources here, translates into the next life. That if you're a Christ follower, the way you use the resources that God blesses you with moves toward rewards in heaven that you're storing up things because the way you invest in the people of this world the way your resources God uses those things to make a difference in the lives of other people that then will be in heaven someday all of those things are laying up treasures all of those things are laying up rewards in heaven so you can use your stuff and say it's all for me and I'm just accumulating for me and and I'm going to get this and that and I'm going to have all these things and when I die it's Somebody else got it, but I'm not taking it with me. Or I can use the things that I have in a way to try to make a difference in people's lives that will translate into the life to come. It's a matter of perspective. And here's the bigger perspective. When I see this stuff as mine, 
I have a hard time letting go of it. But when I see the things that I have as a blessing from God, that all good gifts come from God, that it's God's stuff that I'm just simply managing, it changes my perspective about my stuff. God, you want my stuff? You can have it. How much? Oh, that's fine. You gave it to me anyway. Uh, a couple, of, two or three years ago, <clears throat> Jeffrey Noblet, our, our, worship, our worship leader, he, he needed a truck. He needed to borrow my truck. So I, I said, I'm going to be out of town. You can borrow my truck. He had it for the whole week. Do whatever you need to do. Now, if Jeffrey had come back to me after I got back in town and said, Hey, Scott, some keys. So I want to hand you these keys. Your tr- the truck right over here. You can have it. Uh, just take the keys. You, can ha- you don't even have to thank me. Just take it. It's yours. Go ahead. Enjoy it. I'd be going, uh, it's already mine, Jeffrey. Not late. Listen, don't need to thank me. Just go ahead. We, we, you know, we, we give it to you. Go ahead. I'd be thinking he's like a couple of fries short of a Happy Meal, right? It's like, dude, it's mine already. I let you use it. But see, sometimes we have that struggle with God, right? And God says, listen, I've given you this stuff. I'm asking you to manage it. And sometimes when God says, okay, you need to give that back, we're like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. As if it's ours that that we are controlling. God says, wait a second. Take the perspective that I've given you all of this. It's mine that I've asked you to manage. It helps me be able to release it a little bit easier. So the grippers, are you in that squad? Second squad, the tippers. The tippers. Now, while I said the majority of people in our culture and society are in the grippers, seems that the majority of Christ followers are in the tippers, okay? And, and tippers, you know, basically, you have a heart that is willing to give to God. If God says, hey, I need this, you're willing to to give to God. If, if you're driving down the street and you see someone that's hungry and God says, I need you to give, you're willing to give. Your posture is like reach for your pocket, right? And that's a great heart toward God. You show up on a Sunday and you're going to give some offering. You'll give whatever you have, $20, whatever's in your pocket or wallet or whatever, you'll give it. Here's, here's where the problem begins to come in. If we're not careful as tippers, we wind up giving God what we have left over. It, it, you know, my heart is, I'm, I'm willing to give, but, but I'm, I'm giving whatever I have on me, and it usually is what I have left over. After I've taken care of everything else, after I've paid everything else, whatever I have left over, I will give. That's just a tendency that we have to be careful of. In the last book of the Old Testament, so the Bible's divided in Old Testament and New Testament. The very last book of the Old Testament is written by a prophet Malachi. Now, you might have thought that was the Italian prophet Malachi, but it's Malachi. And Malachi is writing to the Israelites. <clears throat> and the Israelites, you know, they, they, had, uh, they were at a place where they were going, God, where are you? Our crops are failing. Things are not going well. We hear about other nations that are wanting to invade us and to take over. Where are you, God? And so God responds through Malachi, and Malachi tells the people, here's what God says. God says, when it comes time for you to give back to him what he has declared as his, 
when you have to give back a portion, like say of your flocks, you go out to your sheep pen and you're like, okay, now that one's good, that one's good, that one's good. Get the, get the lame one over there, the three-legged one. Yeah, we can give that to God. God doesn't care. Go you give that one to God. These other ones I can sell. They'll, they'll make me some money. The three-legged one, it doesn't matter. Nobody wants it. God will take it. And you've been giving me your leftovers. And he says, I, 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 God says to them, that's offensive to me. Because I want you to give me your best. I want you to give me the first. I want you to give me the right off the top. Not something you've got left over after you've weeded through all the stuff that you need, I want you, to, I want you to put me in the first place, right up top. And he talks about this thing called a tithe. And here's what he says. Here's what he says in Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. He says, I am the Lord all-powerful, and I challenge you to put me to the test. Bring the entire 10% into the storehouse. So he, he had, God had already declared 10% of this stuff, whatever you have, is mine. And so you bring that willingly to me and offer it. 10% of your sheep, 10% of your crops, 10% of whatever income you have, you bring that to me so that there would be food in the storehouse. Then I will open the windows of heaven and flood you with blessings after blessings. He said, you bring back to me what I've already declared is mine. And if you do that, I will open up windows of blessing from heaven. And I will bless your life. But you've got to put me first. See, what happens a lot of times with tippers is that your heart is willing to give. You just lack a plan. You lack a plan on what that looks like. And so you wind up giving God just kind of what you have left over. And God says, no, I want you to put me up front. I want you to give me a tithe. That's a biblical word we don't use a lot. But a tithe means a tenth. It means 10%. And he says, I want you to give me a 10% of your income right off the top. First thing, before you pay anything else, 10% to me. What that does First of all, it sets a percentage. Now I'm not just giving God whatever I have left over. It's a percentage, 10%. And it's right off the top before you pay anything else. Now, the, the question then obviously comes up. <laughs> well, then how am I going to have enough to pay everything else? Right? Like, it's like I, 90%. I, I, I don't, I'm living right now off of 100 and 5%. I'm living, you know, I can't, 90%. There's no way. And you're asking me to give that right off the top before I pay anything else? Why would God do that? Because he's mean? <laughs> no, God's doing that because he's, he's wanting you to put your faith and your trust in him completely. See, the, the, the truth is God doesn't need your money. He doesn't need my money. What he desires is our heart. He desires our heart that says, I trust you, God. I'm putting you first in my life. I'm not, I, you're not just the first place I run to when I'm in trouble. You're the first place in everything, including my finances. And I'm willing to put you in that place. Why is that so important? Well, Jesus talks about it. Again, in Matthew chapter 6, here's what Jesus said. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. And we all know that's true. 
Heart follows treasure. Always has, always will. Wherever your treasure is, that's what your heart chases after. You buy a stock. You didn't even care about that stock before, but you start watching the ticker, don't you? You want, you want to see what's happening on that stock. Why? Because your treasure's there, and now your heart's there. Wherever we place our treasure, that's what God's saying. God's saying, listen, I want your heart. I want you to trust me completely. I want you to give your everything over to me. And a tithe is a great place to start with that. You want to love me more? Then start by tithing. Because that's where your heart will be. And that most reflects the heart of who I am. Now, I've, I've talked about this before, and I'll have people that will come to me and say, well, Scott, I don't, I don't believe that the tithe is something that God expects today. The tithe was something that was kind of in that old covenant thing with Israel, but we now live under grace. And so that doesn't really apply to us anymore. And, and, and so my response is this. Well, first of all, Jesus talked about it in the New Testament, and none of the New Testament writers do away with it. So it's hard for us to say, well, it doesn't apply but then I, I, I sit back and I go, okay, let's say we're under grace. Well, everything I know about grace is that grace starts where the law and the rules stop. Right? I mean, the law says this and grace goes beyond it. The law says here's what you have to do to get God's approval. And, and grace says, no, I'm going to send my son to die for you. So grace goes beyond the law every single time. So Anything from 11% to 100% that you want to give is fine. Um, but usually when people are talking about grace, they want to give less. But grace never does less. And the, the truth is, a lot of people probably today will go out to eat after this. And you'll likely sign a bill where you've tipped someone 15 20% and not even batted an eye. You don't know them. They brought you food and water. And God asked for 10% and he's poured into you all the kinds of things that he's poured into you. And again, God's saying, I just want your heart. I just want you to put me first and give me your heart and watch me. I'll bless your life. That doesn't necessarily mean it's always going to be financial. I give 10% and he blessed me with 110%. Sometimes it could be, but maybe it's just the wisdom to know what to do with the 90% that he has now under his control with you as opposed to the 100% that you have under your control. You lack a plan, tippers do. So what am I going to do now? God says, set a percentage. Let's get started in giving me and putting me first at the front of the line. The third group, third group in the squad givers 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 are the people that have already decided god you own everything and i just want to give back to you i just want to give back to you what you already own it doesn't matter to me whatever you ask me to give i'm going to give and here's what givers experience they see over and over again how their giving has impacted the lives of other people and as they give, they see God move, and it makes them want to give more. And there's so many of you in this room that you do that over and over and over again. And I join you in that. 
I love the fact that, that God has, it, it's, has spoken to my heart and my wife's heart years and years and years and years ago, even before we were married, but even, especially once we got married. Are we going to tithe? Are we going to give beyond the tithe? And we agreed. Doesn't matter what hardships we go through or whatever we go through, we're going to continue to do that. And I love that God uses all of those gifts to just continue to make a difference. And it makes our heart want to give more and more. Givers get to experience those kind of things. And I want to thank you so much for what you do. What squad are you in? Now, you know, when you came in, you probably saw there was a Jolly Rancher on your seat. Let me tell you why that was there. Um, several years ago, um, Kenny Dean, who is the campus pastor at the Regal, uh, Regal campus, he went to Kenya with a particular group to do some mission work. And while he was there um, doing this mission work, there was a boy that, that became friends with the, he's the one playing the drum there in the middle. He just kind of, you know, sided up to Kenny and the group, and he was there every single day. What are you going to do today? What are we going to do? You know, he was just there constantly. Now, you're told when you go into these areas, uh, when you go into third world countries, don't go and give people a bunch of stuff. It just creates a lot of havoc when you go and start giving out a bunch of things, as we Americans tend to do when we go to places like that. And so they had all been told that, and everybody followed that except for Kenny. And Kenny... Uh, he had uh, some Jolly Ranchers, and he asked the boy, he said, hey, this is about, you know, halfway into the trip. He said, hey, do you like candy? Yeah. Do you want a piece of candy? Yeah. And so he pulled a Jolly Rancher out of his pocket, and he gave it to the boy. The boy took it. He took off around the corner of the building. And Kenny's like, man, he wanted that piece of candy, I guess. So he, but about 20, 30 seconds later, he was back. You got another piece? No candy in his mouth. He's like, you know, you, Jolly Ranchers don't go that quick, you know. And he's like, what in the world, man? I guess he just swallowed it or whatever. He's like, yeah, I got another one. He gave it to him, grabbed it, phew, he's gone. About 20, 30 seconds later, he's back. Got any more? So this time, Kenny had one more in his pocket. He was like, I'm going to find out what this dude is doing with this candy. Is he burying it back there? What's he doing? And so he gave him the last one. Kid grabbed it, took off, and Kenny followed. Walked around the corner. And what he saw was a group of little children lined up and this kid breaking that thing with his teeth and handing each one of them a piece of the Jolly Rancher. Now, what we're going to do with these is pray over them and gather them up and send them to him so hopefully you didn't eat them. Uh, <laughs> I'm kidding about that. <laughs> I look forward the whole morning just to be able to say that to y'all. Uh, no we're, no, we're not, really. <laughs> uh, but, but the reason that you have them, it's, it, it's just a symbol of someone that had a heart to give. Of someone that said, it's not about me. It's not about what I can keep, what I can accumulate. It's about taking whatever has been given to me and passing it along to try to make a difference for someone else. And that's what so many of you do, and that's what so many others of us need to be challenged to do, to take what you have and be willing to bless other people's lives with it. In 1888, there was a guy named Alfred Nobel. 
Alfred Nobel was a Swedish chemist, and he had made a fortune off the fact that he created dynamite, what we know of as dynamite. Uh, he created the formula, he created it, he had made a fortune off of it. And then in 1888, uh, Alfred's brother died in France. The only problem is they got the obituaries mixed up. And they wrote the obituary for Alfred and not his brother. And the obituary led with the line, the menace of death has finally died. And Alfred began reading other people's assessment of his life, how he had made a fortune off of something that was created to kill other people. And he was horrified as he read what other pe how other people viewed him. And so he decided from that point forward, whatever days he had left, that he would spend trying to create a legacy, trying to change his legacy and create something different before he died. Eight years later, he died. When he died, he gave over $9 million to a fund that would reward people for doing humanitarian type things doing things that promoted peace, and it became known as the Nobel Peace Prize. Now, here's the great thing about Alfred Nobel is that he got to read his obituary before he died. And he was able to change the way people saw his life. Now, I don't know if you'll have that opportunity or not, but you do have the opportunity to leave a lasting impression of how you lived your life. And my prayer and my hope for the grippers is that you would see the things that God has blessed you with and you would begin to take the perspective, this is God's. I'm just thankful that you allow me to have it and anything that you want me to do, I'd be willing to do. And that you would let God create a heart of generosity in you and it really comes from a place of gratitude, thanking God for what he's given you. And out of that, generosity flows, and that's where joy and fulfillment is found. For the tippers, my prayer and my hope is that you would put together a plan, and it starts with God saying, give me the first 10%. And you know what? We've made it even easier than that for you. You can go to our website, thebridge.me. And you can go down, well, actually, bridge.me, and I'm pretty sure it's slash 90 day. And you can, but you go down to the giving part of the bridge.me. There's this place on there. It's called a 90 day challenge, 90 day tithe challenge. If you tithe for 90 days, give 10% of your income for 90 days, and you don't feel like God has blessed you in some tangible way, we will refund all of the tithe back to you. Um, and we say that because, and we've done that before, and we don't have a problem doing it. Um, but we say that confidently, believing that God will do what he said he would do, that he will bless your life in some tangible way. And so I encourage you to go there and sign up. But you've got to have a plan. You've got to have a plan where you put God first, because ultimately what God wants is your heart. And for the givers, I, I, I just want to tell you thank you. Every week in our staff meetings, we tell stories of people whose lives have been changed. And every one of those people whose lives have been changed are directly connected to you. And you may not even know that. 
but they're connected to you because of your willingness to give and the generosity that God has placed on your heart and the resources that you use to create this kind of place, to create the opportunities to go and take what we do to other places and the lives that are changed every single week because of you. And I just say thank you. And my prayer is that you would continue to be the generous people that you are and that, and that it would become infectious, that every one of us would all catch on to the, the heart of generosity that reflects the heart of God. My prayer is that we leave a legacy that reflects who God is and that we make the biggest impact we can while we're here. Let me pray for us, okay?